Livestock as a sector actually makes up 14.5% of the global emissions. So it is a really significant share of the emissions that we see in the atmosphere. And some research has showed also that we cannot meet the Paris climate change goals without addressing the emissions in the sector and particularly meat and dairy sector as well, where those emissions are increasing over time. The global food system is facing unparalleled challenges and changes. So... How can we reset for a better, more sustainable future? Introducing Control-Alt-Meat, the weekly podcast that explores the issues transforming the global food business. I'm your host, Katie Briefel. Come join me as I speak to the innovators and investors, policymakers and product developers, the scientists and the chefs, who are all on the front line reshaping the future of our food. This year's COP26 has been billed as a pivotal moment in our fight against the climate crisis. So what can we expect to see and what needs to happen to ensure this opportunity isn't missed? In this mini episode, I'm joined by Helena Wright from the FAIR Foundation to give us an overview. So Helena, thank you for coming onto the podcast. Great to be here today. Looking forward to it. So we're looking ahead to this year's COP26 summit, which will be in the first week of November. And a lot of eyes and attention on this year's summit for obvious reasons of what's been happening in the last few years. So the governments are committed to halting the warming levels to two degrees and aiming for 1.5 degrees. Why was this so significant? Yeah, so this goal was agreed, particularly because of the kind of high impacts of climate change that occur at 1.5 and 2 degrees, and also the risk of tipping points in the climate system. So, I mean, some of those, there's already a kind of risk that we're actually going over certain thresholds that would make warming um, irreversible and actually increase the warming over time as well. And one particular one that is quite relevant, actually, is in terms of the damage to coral reefs. So if we get to 2 degrees, almost all of the coral reefs will be really damaged by the warming that has occurred and that will have significant impacts for oceans. So all of these tipping points in the climate system will affect agriculture and will affect our food systems. So these are some of the reasons why they've actually committed to those goals and why it's ever important for us to get to um, greater ambition in terms of emission reductions. And linked to that, how important is livestock to the transition that we need to see here? So livestock as a sector actually makes up 14.5% of the global emissions. So it is a really significant share of the emissions that we see in the atmosphere. And some research has showed also that we cannot meet the Paris climate change goals without addressing the emissions in the sector, and particularly meat and dairy sector as well, where those emissions are increasing over time. So I think we're going to see this coming up the agenda, especially as we're already kind of tackling quite well the emissions in other sectors such as energy where we're already seeing a sort of transition to renewable energy but for this sector there hasn't been as much kind of policy focus on livestock so far. And which countries have already committed to reducing their agriculture emissions? So actually um, the FAIR initiative did some analysis looking at what the countries had committed in terms of their targets and that analysis showed that a lot of those countries that had not put reduction targets for the agricultural sector in their NDCs yet and in fact only a few of those that we looked at actually had reduction targets for land use and none of the G20 countries had a clear reduction target for agriculture. So I think we can say that 
a lot of those targets that have been submitted under the Paris Agreement don't have that much granularity and that much detail yet on the agriculture side, but people know that it's definitely important. And so a lot of focus on emissions and reducing our emissions. How does how do we consider biodiversity alongside all of this? Yeah, so I mean, there's been a lot of focus on biodiversity this year, especially with the UN Biodiversity Summit coming up next year, which is going to be hosted by China. So I think it's really important to consider biodiversity alongside climate change. Both of those, climate stability and biodiversity, are really important for preservation of the ecosystems that we rely on for life, essentially. And actually, there's some research showing that really climate change is actually just one of the nine planetary boundaries that we need to consider. So that's why there's been a lot of calls this year, particularly for climate and biodiversity, to both be considered together. And I think we'll see that on the agenda at COP26 as well, with nature coming higher up the agenda. And governments have committed $100 billion in climate finance, but that pledge hasn't been met. How optimistic do you feel about us being able to reach these goals? So this is actually a topic that's quite close to my heart, actually, as well, because I used to work on this topic as a UN negotiator for the UK government. And actually, at that time, we were working on the roadback to 100 billion report that was supposed to lay out how we would get to the 100 billion goal by 2020. And obviously, it is 2021 now. And the latest estimates were that in 2018, the target had not yet been met, actually. So it is going to be quite a struggle, really, to raise the climate finance. And there's been a lot of criticism, especially from civil society groups, etc., to indicate that really there hasn't been enough ambition in terms of scaling up climate finance. So I think in the run up to COP26, there's going to be a lot of additional pressure for that goal to finally be reached. And that was basically the commitment made for climate finance to the developing countries. So I hope that we will see more progress in COP26, but I guess we will wait to see if there's any additional announcements there. And in COP26 itself, we can hopefully see the pledges and the goals that we think are important, but then it's also continuing the work and road mapping it after that to make sure that we hit those, which is is always a challenge, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. And in terms of climate finance, what governments are probably going to agree on is a new goal for climate finance to be scaled again by 2025. So I think we'll have to watch this space in terms of what happens in the negotiations on climate finance to see whether there is a, a new goal set and what that looks like as well. Great, Helena. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Really insightful. Thanks. Great to be here today. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Control Alt Meet. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to share your favorite episodes on social media to help us reach more listeners like you. You can also visit controlaltmeet.com to learn more.